And another Wednesday night for you to put pants on or take pants off. It's uh, it's pants optional night here on the Off the Cuff Show. <laughs> so well, welcome along. We're two former cops. You would never guess it. Two middle-aged bald white dudes would have been cops. You would have never guessed it. And handsome, we, handsome, dashing, intel. You know, very intelligent, uh, skilled. <laughs> All, all of the amazing lovers, amazing lovers, world renowned, if I might add. This is true. Uh, not according to me. I think there's a Guinness record somewhere with my name on it involving my skills. I, I, you know, but it's in a different edition. It's not it's not the publicly available one. Anyway, yeah. whatever. We're here and we're still figuring out what the heck this show's about. We've said it's, it's two former cops. <laughs> talking to mostly probably cops who I don't really want to talk about cop stuff too much. You know, that's, that's, that's a normal podcast, right? It's a good time. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, and we have a guest tonight and, uh, I want to, I want to tell you how I met this guest. So there I was alley dark in an alley in Singapore. (laughs) And, I was at a club and I don't know what you guys know or don't know about Singapore. It, <laughs> yes, there's a certain value that the system that they have, like you remember the kid that got caned when he did graffiti, American kid went to Singapore, yeah. graffitied it. Oh my God. Bill yeah. Clinton was president. I'm old. Yeah. Right. And they, yeah, for sure. they caned him, but there's another side to Singapore that is like the seedy underbelly. And that's the part that I found myself in that night. I had taken an herb that I thought was just a local thing. They said it would relax me. And I was on a business trip. It's very tense. And I was tired. I was jet lagged. And I took this herb. Well, all of a sudden, people looked like dragons. I thought that uh, I was being attacked and I was in a club. And there was some confusion over... I, I mistook Singapore for Thailand. And so there was, I, I don't have time for the details, but it was a ladyboy debacle. Okay? Oh yeah, for sure. Which happens every time we go to Thailand, which is why we were banned for several years there. Incidentally, that's how you got your name, the jackhammer as well. <laughs> yeah. And so the long and short of it is when I woke up in the alley, I, I had gotten in this fight and you remember the scene in, karate kid where daniel had been bullied by these uh high school boys for a while and yeah. he he's riding his Tragic. bike home and he, he he stumbles down the the hill on the way to back to the apartments you know and as he's being beat up he kind of like passes out but all he can make out is the figure of this guy that was mr miyagi yeah it turns out right this angel this this uh martial arts angel that saved him from these bullies right so i start to come to from taking the my brown belt skills failed me heavily (laughs) in singapore i will say that and i came to and i saw this this uh white angelic martial arts savior reaching his hand out to me (laughs) 
and who saved me in Singapore. And that man, I would later learn, is Tom DeBlass. Tom, thank you for your actions that night. You know what's crazy? (laughs) I've been in so many different places around the world and so many different crazy places. I literally don't know if this story is true or not. (laughs) No, no. I I swear to you on my kids. I was like, did this really happen? And it wouldn't surprise me. Because, bro, I remember I was – I couldn't tell you in a span of six months. I was was in the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Japan. And the only one that I could differentiate was – Japan. I don't know where I was in the other places. Everything was just a blur, you know? So if that did happen, I'm I'm thankful that I helped you. Yes, me too. (laughs) I started a segment last week called maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. And uh, it's just my life. I just tell stories about my life that might, might or might not be true. The part about my Guinness book of world records, lovemaking. That's true. That's true. Oh yeah, yeah, I figured so. Stands alone, really. <laughs> All right, so the the real deal, everyone that is watching uh, live on YouTube, or uh, I think this is going to my Facebook as well, and then who will hear this on the actual audio podcast? Tom DeBlas, uh, I actually did meet him in a battle scenario uh, on the mats. <laughs> I was I was a fresh, crisp uh, blue belt, and uh, one of the guys at our academy brought him in for a seminar and. I didn't know anything about anything about jujitsu or about the MMA world, but I soon learned, uh, I, I really, you won't remember me there, but anyway, great seminar, great guy. And that was like, you were like one of the first people that like I started following in that sort of like jujitsu MMA world all the way back then, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And then we, you know, ended up following each other on social media and all that stuff. But you are, are well-known, respected, decorated in the grappling world from ADCC to – I hate IBJJF, but, yeah, you did some of that stuff too. Um, <laughs> MMA, Bellator, you know, all that stuff. And then you run a successful jiu-jitsu academy. You wrote a, uh, you wrote a book, uh, How You Bear It, which was great. And then now you are announcing uh, I was there when your one championship announcement cherry was popped May 5th recently loved it. And you have started a foundation uh, buddies over bullies. So tons of stuff, tons of stuff going on. Thank you for all of it. That's you. That's Tom DeBlas. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here for real. Thank you for having me, man. I, I really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, give us give us your version of who Tom DeBlas is in in like a su- oh. I guess summary format. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a complexity uh, to who I am. You know, I, I it's it's hard because I believe I could be. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm savage or I'm a savage, I'm this and that, uh, but they're not, you know, and a lot of people think they're nice, but they're not, you know, like I have uh, an extreme compassion for human beings that cannot defend themselves. I mean, when I see some of the stuff with these kids being bullied, I, I literally cry. I get so upset and I get so mad. Uh you know, animals, like I don't even kill bugs, man, you know, but I also, was it always like that for you? It was, you know, like 
that's who I really am. You know, I've always, I was a really, really soft kid. Uh, but life made me be a, a different person because I grew up pretty tough, you know, with the father who was a, uh, an alcoholic, a drug addict, you know, very verbally abusive as much as he loved me and he was sober. He was never sober for longer than two weeks at a time. Uh, I used to get bullied a lot. Like I remember when I was like seven, somebody came up and punched me in the face for no reason. And I, I couldn't understand why they did that. It hurt my feelings. Like, why are they so mean? And you know, why would they do that to me? And I didn't want to hurt them back. I just wanted them to like me. But there was a flip that uh, a switch that was flipped, you know, uh, and I could be a very cold hearted human too, depending on the situation and depending who I'm around. Like I say, you could put me around, you know, 10 gang leaders, murderers, and I guarantee you, I will out savage them for sure. I could suffer very well, you know, but now I'm to the stage of my life where I'm going to be 41. I just want love and peace, man. I don't want any problems. I've suffered enough in my life. I want to help people to overcome obstacles. I believe jujitsu was just a way for me to get known throughout the world. So my voice could do more. I'm, I, I, I'm supposed to do more than just teach strangles and arm bars. You know, I'm helping so many kids with this buddies over bullies. Like that's truly my cause. Uh, to help all these kids who don't have any help, don't, that don't have a voice. You know, I never had a voice for me, so now I could help them. I wish I could help them more, but uh, you know, it's funny no matter how much you do. Like, I, I get, I'm probably getting a hundred messages a day about kids who are bullied, and I, I could only do so much. So I'm sure there's some people out there saying, "Oh, you know, I messaged him; he never messaged me back." I do assure you, I'm trying my best. You know, since I've been doing this for like two and a half months, uh, basically, Sean Fowler he runs Five Grappling. He's also involved in ADCC. He runs our website, but I do everything else as far as getting in touch with the schools uh, in the area, talking to the parents, talking to the children. Uh, you know, I do Zoom calls with them. Uh, you know, I, I think overall, who is Tom? I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm a ball buster for sure. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. Uh, I don't take myself too serious, but then sometimes I do take myself serious. So I think there's a there's a complexity to me that not a lot of people may understand, but I think once anybody truly got to know me, they would understand that uh, I'm a guy you could trust, you know? Well, with your, so did your jujitsu journey and kind of your compassion level mix someplace? I mean, like where, when did you get involved with jujitsu or grappling or martial arts? I don't, cause I don't know where you started. I started at like 19. Age. And uh, I didn't start jujitsu for compassion. I just loved to fight. Uh, and I was actually a track and field athlete. I was a really, really good long jumper. I was a 23-foot long jumper in high school. And uh, I tore all the ligaments in my ankle. I was much smaller. So I couldn't long jump anymore. So I said, hey, let me find uh, fighting. You know, I wanted to fight. I didn't look for jujitsu. I looked for, for taekwondo at first. And then I started taekwondo, and I started getting disqualified all the time because I was hitting too hard. Uh, so then I found mixed martial arts and, uh, I got thrown into a fight when I was training for like six months and I didn't even train jiu-jitsu at all yet. And I got brutally beaten and, uh, <laughs> it was terrible, like terribly concussed, nose broken, like just bad, bad. So then I found, I started jujitsu after that. And then I just trained. Once I started training, I just never stopped ever. Yeah, I, so like my my journey was uh, as you know, I was a police officer. I, I'm about a year retired now, 
but I was a big guy. So I used to love lifting weights, heavy weights, uh, you know. And I remember, Mike, you might remember this, but uh, we were at a playscape, one of those big-ass bouncy freaking places like that has like the big sl- blow-up slides and all this stuff. I forgot where it is. I think it's downriver. And I remember uh, going, uh, like putting on those big-ass boxing gloves, like the enormous ones, I you know? I do remember and, that. Right? And I yeah. remember taking on Joe. And I was a big, I was like 300 pounds, you know? I power lifted. And I thought it was, I thought it was king shit. I thought I was the baddest with with my big ass gloves on. Right. So, um, but I remember lasting about 18 seconds, which is, can, you can just translate that to the bedroom too. I'll be honest. (laughs) But uh, I realized very quickly, I'm like, holy shit. Like I, I realized right then and there, as I'm breathing, I'm dying on this bouncy thing with these two stupid ass, big ass gloves on going, if somebody can last more than 15 seconds with me, they're going to fucking kill me. And I went on this crazy weight loss thing. I lost a hundred pounds, you know, and I started looking into martial arts and then what I'll, I didn't even care about jujitsu. I hated jujitsu. I was a boxer. Like I love the idea of boxing back then. I was not a boxer, but I love the idea. (laughs) And, uh, in my life, like that's all that was like, if you ain't seen blood, you ain't fighting, you know, and uh, watching Hoist Gracie uh, was, you know, a crazy phenomenon for I think for everybody. And uh, I went in actually to Warrior Way because I just wanted to learn how to do Muay Thai kickboxing. And uh, that one of the head guys there, Brandon's like, well, you know, jujitsu's, uh, you know, included. I'm like, <laughs> OK, whatever. But I'll tell you what, the, the, I tried it one. I still remember my first day, and and I was hooked ever since. So I wonder if like you, it has to be the same way. Like there, there are some guys. That it's just as soon as you do it, you're like, oh my god, where where have I? Where's this been my whole life? You know? Yeah. I see. I grew up fighting. I'm like I fought a lot. Like from the time I was like four years old. Like I was always good with my hands. My father taught me a lot. I seen a lot of fights. I seen a lot of brutal shit happen. So I I knew what violence was, you know, uh, but jujitsu for sure got me hooked just because it's like, I could, I felt free. Like I could go hard and, and, and really try my best to strangle someone and, you know, not do it with emotion or anger, do it with like technicality and mindfulness. And to me, that's what I really, really loved. And the fact that there's always more to perfect, like the same reason why some people quit is the same reason why I kept training because no matter how well you do, there's always a mistake to be made. There's always a time where you have a bad day and, and it just kept me coming back. You know, I always, I strive for perfection, although it was unattainable in my mind, I thought it was attainable. So it kept me showing up over and over and over again. And I was always very highly competitive. I'm a very highly competitive person. I believe life in general, you know, people say it's not a competition. Well, no, it is. You know, when I announced for one FC the other day, if I would have done a poor job, somebody else would be announced to the next one. They wouldn't ask me to come back. Right. So you're always competing. Right. Um, and I just looked at life that way. And, but I found out how to wait, how to make that fun, you know? So it just, it was something I truly, uh, I fell in love with the grind, man. I really did. Well, is there something, I mean, kind of pushing away from jujitsu right now, but um, was there something you say, you've always kind of been a compassionate person. Um, was there something that pushed this, this agenda for you in regards to bullying? Like, was there like a a moment or an element or like a situation that you saw on TV or in real life that you're like, this is my, this is my calling here. 
I mean, I, I've always been compassionate because I mean, I mean, the first time I saw my father overdose and literally die in front of me and get brought back, I think I was three years old. So like you see shit like that. And then I would have to be in preschool the next day. And in my mind, you know, I'm the only one going through this. And then throughout my, my life as a child, I didn't realize other kids were also suffering like I was. So I always felt like out of place and I always felt really like bad about myself. You know, I felt really bad and, and it made me just feel lonely. So I always had compassion for people that I felt possibly felt lonely as well. You know, because mm. if you don't know how it feels to feel lonely and to feel alone and to feel like no one understands you, I think this is why we have a lot of bullies. Like a lot of people say, oh, these kids are bullies because they're getting bullied. Well, no, I think a lot of these kids are bullies because they don't understand how it feels to be bullied. They don't think mm -hmm. it's a big deal. They don't realize these kids are getting bullied in school, going home to abuse. You know, they don't get it uh, where I do get it. So that's what gives me this compassion. And then I did, I saw on T I actually posted it today. I saw on, uh, the, on the internet, this little girl is getting brutally beaten by like teenage boys on a bus. And I was like, what, this can't like keep happening. Like, you know, we have to try to do something to, to fix this, to combat this, you know? So that really made me take this, this initial step and in buddies over bullies. My daughter is the one who came up with the name, which was a pretty awesome thing. Mm-hmm. A side, side note, <clears throat> if you guys don't follow Tom on social media, you absolutely need to. And I, I and it's very actually kind of, I mean, jujitsu is a part of that. I mean, you're an academy owner and all that stuff. So, I mean, jujitsu is a piece of what you, what you talk about regularly, but like your, your message is much bigger than that. Um, and so definitely give him a follow, but you posted something on your social media the other day. Uh, and it really just, it, it was like super. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if motivating is the right word, but it was moving. Uh, your your daughter getting emotional over seeing you on TV. And I thought that was just like so cool. What a testament to like your she she has that kind of compassionate heart. It was really cool to see. Yeah, she's a sweetheart, man. She uh, she got super emotional because she was so proud, you know. And she knows that like I want to help kids, and she knows like with my platform bigger, I can. And uh, she's a tough cookie, man. You know, if you see her hitting pads, she hits so hard. She's she's so good, but she's so compassionate as well. And I'm very honest with her about life. You know, although she doesn't have to go through the things I went through, I, I explain to her like what reality is. Right. I don't want her to be too sheltered. I want her to know what's real and what's not. Uh, and her mother and I kind of differ in that in that regard uh, to where her mother thinks you know she wants to shelter her for as long as possible to where i believe you know she has to be educated to what's out there because if you're not educated you don't know what's out there you step into the fire you don't even know you're standing in the middle of the fire yeah. where it's hard to teach someone about love and compassion when you also have to teach them to be very careful who you trust you know so right. i don't want her to have these walls up so high to where no one could get through to her but at the same time i want her to be very picky and choosy about who she trusts and I want her to always go with her gut feeling and, and not ever be coaxed into anything that she shouldn't be, you know, and she knows who I am, you know, and, and in my area, everybody knows who I am. So I, I think it would be a pretty hard, hard thing to get my daughter on the wrong path just because I, I am very much, uh, I allow her 
you know, when she gets older, she has a boyfriend. Like, of course, just be honest with me. You know, I'm not going to be like that dad that doesn't let her do anything because then they only resent you. But at the same time, I am going to know what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine like uh, bringing bringing a boy home as Tom DeBlas's daughter. Like, oh my gosh, like, uh, yeah, my dad could kill you. Might kill you. <laughs> it could. Ha- it could happen. As long as they know? respect her, you know, a lot of these things that these that I see these teenage boys do like, uh, you know, the way they speak to these girls and I know girls are not, uh, perfect either, but like, you know, there's some nice girls out there that are, you know, it's so easy for boys nowadays to just throw out, Oh, you're a whore, you're a bitch or this or that. Like, uh, a kid last year, I believe he on the bus, he called my daughter, uh, a whore. So I found out who his father was. And I, uh, he, he turned out to be, he was actually worked in the school district. Um, uh, and I let the superintendent know, like, listen, you're going to handle this or I'm going to handle it. You know, and when I say I'm going to handle it, I really mean I'm going to handle it. Like, I'm not just going to, like, post on social media how I'm upset with something. Like, just so everyone knows, I post a lot of shit on social media. But really important stuff I don't post. I'll just take care of it. You know, so it got taken care of. It got handled before I had to say anything to him. But I won't tolerate that, man. You know, like, I won't tolerate my daughter getting disrespected in a way that shouldn't be tolerated. And I also won't tolerate my kid disrespecting other kids as well. You know, it has to go both ways, right? Everybody has to respect everybody. What do you think? Um, and I'll, I'll let you share whatever you want to share about your past and some of maybe like the, the demons that you, you have from your past or, uh, or whatever that probably I, I would guess leads to some of, what you choose to be compassionate about now, but you, you did, you had, you had a, you had a lot of negativity growing up, right? A lot of difficult circumstances. And I'm always fascinated by that fork in the road for people, because a lot of people who experience and walk through difficulty, like the kids that you're helping with the, the buddies over bullies, right? They they're confronted with this difficulty. Some of those kids that get bullied will turn out to be the most compassionate people because they say, I don't want anybody to ever go through what I just went through. Other kids will turn out to become the bully. They'll become the, the, the horrible husband and father who's abusive or whatever. They'll become the guy that, you know, picks fights at the bar. They'll become this angry person what 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 do you look back on for you going through difficulty and share whatever you want and then like I'm curious for you what led you to not go down the dark path and stay there but to choose to live your life in the direction that you're going now yeah that's a good question and and i think the big thing is for me is like uh i'm very in tune with reality you know like a lot of times you know i'm always a big advocate of police officers training and then the cops who don't train will say, Oh, you know what? You don't know what it's like to be out there on the street. No, actually I do. I've had machetes held to my face before. You know, I've had guns in my, in my, in my mouth. I've had friends who've been murdered. I've had friends that did tours overseas, murdered people and came back and overdosed on drugs and died. I I've had experience in life, you know, to where with me, every experience I go through, I learn from. So I'm paying attention when my friends made mistakes and I see, oh man, this person did this. Maybe they should have did that. And like, 
I try not to make the same mistake as another person has. And at the same time, I think for me, uh, feeling accomplished helped me a lot. Like every little thing I did that I worked for, that I obtained, I felt good. And I liked the feeling of accomplishment. And I understand that the only way to feel accomplished is to stay away from the bullshit, right? Like I didn't have my first drink of alcohol until I was 27 years old. I was obsessed with being successful. I just wanted people to know, like, I am great. And I did it for different reasons that I'm doing it now. Now I have, I don't care what people think. Uh, I don't think about that, but I think it's already because I am accomplished and I have nothing to prove. But for a long time, I felt as though I had something to prove. I, I felt every person who didn't believe in me, uh, I wanted to show them what I was capable of. You know, I wanted to show them that I could overcome a lot of things. And I saw a lot of terrible, terrible things. And, uh, and here's the thing, like, I am a very, like, you will, there's people out there that say, oh man, yeah, you know what? Tom's a bully. He threatened me or he punched me or he did this. Listen, they're not wrong. I, I have bullied bullies before. I have attacked people who are bad people. I've gotten ripped off before and I've threatened people's lives. Like I've done shit that, you know, you would think, uh, you know, the Dalai Lama would not do. You know, I am not Jesus himself. I am not a saint, right? If you cross me, I'm going to get you. And I'm working on not being vengeful anymore. But I've beaten the shit out of bullies before. Like, I'm not the person to break up a fight in the past if somebody's getting viciously beaten for no reason. I'm not the person to break it up. I'm the person to break it up and then step on the person's head who is the aggressor if they aggress for no reason. I have no problem with violence, you know? Uh, I was born into it. It's what I've seen from, from day one. You know, when I, when I was eight years old, I, you know, I was forced to see a bunch of teenage kids hold another kid down and beat him in the face with sticks and bats and broke his face, broke his orbital, broke his jaw. He, he was in critical condition. You know, they went, they went away for it. Uh, I was exposed to it at a young age. So a good example is a few weeks ago, we had a kid in my class. He's a teenager, a young teen. And he's been going down the wrong road, man. You know, he's been bullying kids for no reason. He's been telling off teachers for no reason. And I tried to be kind with him. Listen, what are you doing, man? We have to, we have to do things differently. Well, you know, what's going on? His father called me again. Listen, he got in trouble again today. He's on the verge of being expelled from school. He apparently punched a kid for no reason. A bully. He was being a bully. So then he came to class. And when I tell you, I tore into his ass. I tore into him. He tried to walk off the mats mid-class because he got tired i'm like what are you doing i was like you're gonna you're gonna be a little bitch and walk off the mats now but you're not you're not but you're a tough guy you beat people up in school right you're you're fucking tough you know and i really dug into him and some people there didn't know the whole story and they you know in the some of the the parents there which i shouldn't even be in a professional room right this is my pro training room uh and i really went hard at him and some of the parents were taken back. How could you speak to a child like that? Well, if I don't speak to a child this way, maybe the next time he does something, he ends up in prison. Maybe he gets expelled from school. Maybe he decides to shoot heroin in his veins and he dies. The irony is after that class, a kid came up to me and he's like, professor, he's like, thank you. Thank you so much. He's like, I know you care. And I said, damn right, I care. I said, you have all the talent in the world. And I said, as much as I came at you today, I did not break you. I said, you're unbreakable. If you take that energy that you have 
and you put it into something positive. You can be one of the most successful young men in the world, but you're going to have to make a choice right now. And you're at a crossroads. You're either going to be a good person or you're not, you know? So different people have to be treated differently. You know, I can't treat every single person the same. Some people, you have to talk very kindly to them, very soft to them. Some people need to be dug into. I was that athlete that got dug into, you know, Gary Tonin is an athlete. You have to dig into him. Gordon is an athlete. You have to dig into him. Uh, Jaden, my athlete, you have to be very, very careful with her. You know, you can dig in a little bit, but you have to pull back. So when people don't quite understand me, it's hard for them to understand that you could be both. You can be both uh, a good person and an intense person, right? You can be a Spartan and Yoda at the same time. Like you could believe that COVID exists, but still think we shouldn't be shut down at the same time. A lot of people nowadays, just you're one way or the other, you know, like, I don't have any problems with transgenders. I just don't want them to compete with natural born females. Right. You could be two totally, you could have different opinions about a subject to where nowadays it's like, we either think one way or the other way. So I'm going to give that a try this weekend. I'm, I'm doing a grappling industries as a, as a woman this Saturday. So hopefully that works out. Right. It's so crazy. Right. Like, like, and who could tell you not to, I think a bill is just passed where you can't do it. But I mean, I think for me, it's just like, when you really see reality and you really see that it's basically choices that you make in life that are going to determine where you end up, you know? And if I could be that person to help somebody through, yeah. Do you ever watch Chicago PD? No, I've never seen it. It's a good, good show, man. Uh, Detective Voigt, right? He, he's a really great guy, but Everybody thinks he's a dirty cop. Everybody thinks he's a piece of shit, right? He'll put a gun in your mouth and he'll pull the trigger if you deserve it, right? But he'll give you the shirt off your back, off his back if you deserve it as well. Like, that's kind of where I fall, right? Like, I, I don't believe in uh, a lot of people are like, why aren't, you, why aren't you helping the kids that are bullies? Why don't you help? They, they need love. Well, because right now, I don't want to help them little pricks. Right now, I'm at a stage <laughs> in my life to where I don't like them. Right now, I'm at a stage in my life, I, I really dislike them a lot. Now, maybe two years from now, down the line from now, I will mature enough as a human being to have compassion for the bully. But right now, I don't because no matter what they're going through in life, it's not an excuse to be a dick to somebody else, right? I've suffered. I was molested as a child. I was beaten. I was verbally abused. It never gave me the right to go out there and do the same to somebody else. So mm -hmm. I hope that mentality changes one day. But at the same time, I do believe there's good and evil out there. And I believe a lot of these people out there who think we could just keep turning the other cheek and we could combat everything with kindness. You're out of your mind. You know, like there is a battle out there and we need to stand up for what we believe in. And sometimes violence has to happen. It just is what it is. Whether that violent be with your tongue, with your mouth, your words verbally or your fists or whatever, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's the truth. When you said something that stuck out to me about uh, being that being a voice, right? So that that kid that you're you're using as an example at the academy, where you're able to dig into him and and be that voice, kind of like steer steer that person right in the right direction. Uh, obviously, like you you confronted, like you said, molestation, bullying, uh, abuse. What, who, who was, who were the voices in your life? Who, who was steering you? You mentioned a coach maybe, 
like uh, that maybe for uh, track and field. I don't know if that was like a big influence, but who were the voices for you? Uh, I was always a big Jesus fan, believe it or not. You know, like I always believed in Jesus. Uh, and my father, as messed up as he was when he was sober, he was a man of so much wisdom, you know, and I learned so much from him through his mistakes, but also through his words, you know, they say, you know, he would always say, do as I say, not as I do. And a lot of people say, oh, no, that doesn't work. Well, no, it did work with my father. I would do as he said. He never steered me wrong. He was never that dad to say, hey, come and have a drink with me. You know, I never seen my dad ever touch the bottle to his lips, ever. Right. He would always hide it, but he would always just come home messed up. Uh, my mother was a huge influence. My track coach, Mr. Healy, was a huge influence. And then Ricardo Almeida and Enzo Gracie, you know. Uh, Ricardo was like a father figure to me. You know, he's a very stern guy. He, he's a very tough guy, Ricardo. You know, uh, he's softer now in his older age than when he was, but he was an animal. You know, mm -hmm. and if you didn't like the way he did shit, get out. He, don't, he didn't care. You know, get out. You know, so I, I was able to have some strong leaders in my life that were very successful, like Ricardo, Henzo, uh, and then some people in my life, like my father, who had so much wisdom, had all the talent in the world to be something special, where he missed the mark because his demons overtook him. But I learned from his mistakes. Yeah. Um, what? Somebody asked this question. This is a good one. What are you, What are your suggestions for kids that are getting bullied? How, outside of well, even if they, maybe they, somebody's within earshot of this podcast and their kids experience that, you know, obviously reaching out to your organization is, is, is an option, but what in general do you, do you think is a good course of action? I think the main thing is to help these kids understand this is such a small part of their life, right? They think that this is the end all be all right now. It's such a small, minute part of their life. So many of these so-called bullies, Come look at them 15 years from now, where are they going to be? Some of them are going to be in prison. Some of them are going to be dead. Some of them are going to be 200 pounds overweight. Some of them are going to have 10 kids with different people. You know, this shit doesn't matter. So these kids need to understand that what they're seeing going through, it's not real. It's just fake. And they're not alone. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of other kids feeling the same way they are. I felt the way they felt. And they have to understand that they're still loved. They're loved greatly. They're cared for. There's more people out there that care about them than don't care about them. It's just they have to find these people. Uh, they have to understand that they are understood, even if they think they're alone, they're not. You know, uh, That's the first thing before anything. And then, yeah, get them involved in a martial arts school with people that truly care about them. Uh, help them to learn how to stand up for themselves. But most of all, help them to feel loved and to know how important they are. And Worst comes to worst, remove them from the situation. Now, there is a line of bullying. Like I asked myself, bullying for me worked for me. It made me to who I am, right? Like it strengthened me. Uh, so I, I believe we do have to let kids be kids, but there has to be, there's a line that has to be drawn. And not everybody's that mentally tough to where they could overcome bullying, right? So I think also to teach our kids that like, it's just not cool to be the jerk off. Right. Like I think nowadays these kids are doing everything for social media. You know, I mm -hmm. think we need to find a way to, to combat this, you know, like, like look what I'm doing with those buddies over bullies, right? Like look how much this is taken off. Look how much people love this. Right. And it's all about being kind. 
So I think once we help the, the kids that are being bullied to understand that they're not the ones wrong. They're dealing with idiots, you know, and these kids will have karma that comes back to them. Uh, just hang tough, hang in there right now because it's going to come and it's going to go. Right. And they just need to remember that everything's going to be okay. And parents, if you think it's getting out of hand, remove your kid from the situation. Like, you know, that's it. Not everybody has the ability to, to knock on someone's door and say, Hey, listen, you're bullying my kid. Cut that shit. Not everyone could do that. Like I could do that. Not everyone could find You have to find a way to protect your child, you know, mentally and physically. Yeah. I, I think about that. Like <clears throat> as a, as kids, a lot of times they don't even bring things to the parents' attention, you know, <clears throat> and, and that's, that, that makes it a little bit tough too. Obviously your daughter was, was pretty vocal about it, but you know, I, <clears throat> sorry, my, my son has special needs and he doesn't have he like socially awkward. Um, and when he is with people, he wouldn't even be able to identify it. Like, and it, like, there's a part of me that goes, well, in a way that's, I guess kind of a blessing, yeah. but there's so like, <clears throat> you know, for me, I wasn't the greatest kid in high school. Um, I was, I was, all, I was bullied, but not like, like I wasn't like tortured, but I was bullied just enough and weak and just weak enough. And I can admit this now that I would also try to bully the people that, you know, there's a, there's a male packing order for everything. <laughs> and I, I, I recall myself uh, picking on people who were like not, you know, in the pecking order underneath me, we'll say, um, although I was probably the lowest of all. We, you, you get what I'm saying? <clears throat> and I think about that still to this day, like I, I feel like such a shit. Um, yeah. And, and <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm, I'm more mature now, but that was part of I mean, that was certainly bullying. But I was also being bullied and I did as a kid, you're just you don't think about you're thinking, how do I get out of this hole? Oh, I know. I'll do something that they apparently cle clearly think is an acceptable behavior. And, uh, you know, it, which which is ridiculous. But, you know, we're kids. We don't really think that much about it. And then I had my kid, my, my son and who's autistic and my life changed. Uh, I mean, I was, I, I had always, I was, I was compassionate after high school. I mean, as I got older, but it wasn't until him that I was like, Oh my God, like he's going to have problems. He's going to have some real problems. And, and there's not a lot I can do about that. I can't be with him all the time. And that, that process, that thing, like that rattles in my brain all the time because he's going to be a victim. There's no doubt about yeah. it. He will. And absolutely that's what parents need to understand. Like, and this is one thing, like I look at every kid, when I had kids, my mind has changed about a lot of things too. Like that person out there is somebody's baby, right? Like that, that, that person who's getting beaten is somebody's baby. That's somebody's child, you know? Uh, and parents need to also understand you cannot shelter your kids totally. Like my kids, yes, I absolutely curse in front of my kids. My kids hear intense conversations. I don't curse at my kids. I don't call my kids names. I speak to them with respect. I don't yell at my kids ever. I have conversations with my kids. My kids will, however, hear me yell in certain situations. They will see dad in all of his reality and they will know who I am and how I am. They'll know who my friends are. They'll know how we are. They'll know how we work and how we operate, but they will always be treated 
with respect. And parents need to understand you cannot baby your child. You have to let them see what reality is. And that hurts sometimes. If they fall, you can't just pick them up right away. They got to learn how to stand up on their own two feet. You know, they have to learn how to suffer and overcome because this world is cold. This world is brutal. I'll never forget. I saw something. It was a, it was some 16 year old, this little skinny ISIS kid who was murdered, right? He was killed by the Marines. And uh, the Marine took a picture like posing happily next to him. And everybody was calling this guy an animal. Now, should he have took a picture posing happily next to him? Was it in poor taste? Yes. All right. But everyone who was sticking up for this 16 year old ISIS boy, it was about 120 pounds, right? All these people out there that think they know shit about shit. That 16 year old boy would break in your house, cut your wife's titties off while he's looking at your face and then kill your kids. Do you understand what evil is? A lot of people don't understand what evil is. Evil is alive and evil is well and evil is thriving. And that's what people need to understand. Mm. And that's, that's a world too, that I'm going to try, I'm going to try to make a connection here because that, that world of brutality is a world that police officers are stepping into every day and talking about how how do you help people like cops are supposed to be there to to protect people right like in one sense you broaden it out the the bullies to you know that's that's essentially what people who are victimizing other people in society are criminals are just bullies breaking the law and and turning people into victims they're bullying their community and then uh cops have a chance to step in and and be able to to do something with that but not all cops are taking all the steps necessary to fully equip themselves for that and no yeah when when did you first start seeing this problem in law enforcement and their inability for consistent good subject control and and being able to and wanting to wanting to help teach them and and encourage them in in that journey when did that start for you you know, you know probably started after he f- saw your first uh mike the cop video <laughs> probably <laughs> It's complex, you know, like I remember being so shocked coming up through the ranks and realizing how many cops were not training. And then once we would get a cop on the mats, as soon as they would have a tough day, they would never come back again. That was always crazy to me. I'm the type of person, if you're like, I'm kind to everybody, but like, if you can't kick my ass, don't have an attitude towards me, right? Like, don't talk to me like you're somebody because you're not. That's always so hard for me to be a school teacher. When people are telling me what to do and bossing me around when I know I could beat the shit out of them. That's one of the reasons why I couldn't go in the military because I can't have a guy that can't kick my ass yelling in my face, right? Find the guy that can whoop my ass. Sure. Tell me what I need to do. But it was really confusing to me how many cops could not look bad at training and be okay with it. And then I realized more and more when you start seeing these videos, just they literally don't know, even the ones who are, doing okay most of them really don't know what the hell they're doing and when you're a professional when you're trained and you understand these things you see how many mistakes and flaws they're making and there is every once in a while that cop out there that does things perfectly and 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 i celebrate it it's amazing you know uh 
but I just don't understand how they could be putting themselves in a position and not be fully prepared, you know? And nowadays it's like, everybody's against cops too. You know, like here's the thing with me, if I ever got pulled over and the cops said, put your hands behind your back and I resisted, I'd f- I'm, I'm saying this right now. I fully am okay with that cop shooting me. I don't care because there's nothing else they could do to stop me. Their little pepper spray isn't going to work. Their taser's not going to work. I will kill them before they kill me. Take out your gun and shoot me in the head, right? That's why I would comply. I'll always comply. At the same time, you got to understand not everybody's going to comply. So unless you're willing to pull that gun out and pop everybody who doesn't comply, you should probably realize how to be able to control them without having to use your gun. I'm 100% people, oh, you don't know what it's like when somebody's on PCP. Ever see my student, Carlos, who's 280 pounds and is the strongest human that you will ever feel in your life and he's a black belt? I'm pretty sure Carlos is just as hard to deal with than their 150 pounder on PCP. Because when you know body positioning and you know leverage and you know where to be at what time, it doesn't matter how strong someone is. It, ha- it doesn't make a difference. And let me tell you something. That energy that they have the first minute is not going to carry into the 15th minute. Right. All you got to do is pit somebody like that guy who just strangled somebody on the subway. Right. He could have easily had his back underhooked his arms and held him or just got it over under grip and not strangled him. Right. You don't need to strangle. Like there's so many things you could do to control. And I do believe there's a lot of police officers out there that really want to help. They really want to do well. And they just, you know, they're getting really the shit end of the deal out there. And, there, you know, and there is a lot of cops out there that they are jerk offs, just like in every aspect of life, you get jerk offs, you get good people, you get arrogant people, you get good people. I don't see that jerk off side of so many of them because they respect me because of who I am. But I have a lot of cops that train with me and they're wonderful people. They're training hard. They're working to become better. I have females out there that understand how important it is for them to train because nowadays everybody's training, right? So if you're a cop, you don't know who you're pulling over. You don't know what they're capable of doing. And they're so limited into what they could do, you know, especially with the NYPD. There's so many limitations. You got to know as much as you possibly can. You know, if you can't go neon belly, if you can't strangle, you better learn everything you can learn to be able to control a situation. So you can keep yourself safe and whoever you're arresting. So you can keep them safe. Because let me tell you something. 99 i've never seen any video out there i've yet to see somebody who could actually fight on a video like like i've never seen a street fight with a person who knows how to fight ever ever not even kimbo slice right i've never seen (laughs) i've never seen a street now kimbo once he started getting involved in mma and stuff he learned a lot more he got much better but you saw sean gannon the police officer he beat kimbo right kimbo was tough as hell but sean gannon an average fighter was able to beat Kimbo, right? So, I mean, if these cops just learn how to be decent, their life is going to be so much better. And they don't need to train every day. I think a lot of academies have it wrong, too. Like, you can't be putting your police officers to the ringer every day. They don't need to be training live, hard every day. They need to go to work the next day, you know? So, have go easy. Like, I let my students all the time know, like, take a break, go easy. You don't have to train every single match, you know, you don't have to train live every day. If you want to come in and just drill, come in and drill. Watch. You don't have to train live every day, but just being in that environment, you get like, my daughter's been hitting pads for a month, but she looks like a little professional. Why? Because she's been in that environment 
her whole entire life. So it's like second nature, right? So the more you're around it, the easier it is to adapt. And you know, I just have police officers who are friends, you know, and I figure I, I do like to believe most of them are want to do the right thing. So if I could help, I want to help. Yeah. What are you doing with the, the NYPD grappling club? What's that looking like? Cause that's a, you recently got involved with them, right? Yeah. They're affiliated with me. Uh, Detective Frank who runs the club. He's the president of the club. He's always checking in. I'm actually going there for my second seminar uh, next Wednesday. I had a, uh, I did my first seminar there a few months ago and then I had my other black belt go there. So what I do is I have all my guys get there. Right. So I'd like to have one of my guys get there once a month. I have a lot of students get there once a month and teach a seminar. Uh, next week I'm just getting together with them and I'm really going to talk about, we, we want to get this implemented into their program, you know, in, into their system. Like how can we get them better training? So besides just teaching them, we're going to try to find out ways to get, training better implemented because all I was super impressed with the NYPD grappling club because everybody there was super fit. They were super like aware of like the basics. I was so impressed and they were the kindest fucking dudes, man. Like they were so nice. You know, I know the NYPD gets a lot of shit, but this is for a lot of people who don't understand evil, like be a cop every day, you know, be among shit humans every day of your life. See little kids abused, see women beaten, see people getting murdered, and see how big your smile is, right? Another reason I couldn't be a cop is because the moment somebody resisted against me, as much jujitsu as I know, I'd fucking gun butt him with my gun immediately because I don't got time <laughs> for bullshit. You know what I mean? Uh, so these cops are going through. Ironically, that's why my career ended. Hey, I don't blame, brother. <laughs> I, I, that's funny as hell, right? That's why we're buddies. <laughs> I feel you, bro. You know, but Perfect like these cops, problem. these people think that they can just speak however they want to cops and do whatever. And it's no big deal. A cop dies. Oh, who cares? What the fuck is wrong with these people out there? You know, so these cops are fighting an uphill battle, man. So I just want to be stand behind the guys at NYPD and say, listen, I'm with them. You know, if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. You know, I don't care if you don't like that. I'm with them. If you don't like that, I'm supporting them. Eat shit. And I and let me tell you, something, I have friends in many different places. I have friends that are very high level in every organization, in every club, not just police, right? And they all respect what I'm doing because they have no choice. Like, I'm that guy that can get out there and say, listen, oh, you're part of this club, gang, whatever. You don't like it, come get it because I got enough people everywhere, right? Like, I'm respected because they know I respect them and they know my heart is in the right place, right? They know my heart is in the right place. And I can tell you, even my friends are not police officers that they're in different organizations that people wouldn't agree with their heart. They're not hurting. They're not hurting innocent people. They're not bullying innocent people. Like I'm not boys with the people who are out there doing that knockout game, sucker punching random people. Like everybody that I'm close with wants to rid evil of the world. And that's the irony because some of the people, some people say, Hey, how can, how can someone be a one percenter in a motorcycle club and be a good person? I'll tell you exactly how I've seen one percenters, you know, give like a hundred poor kids bicycles. You know, I have seen good one percenters. I've seen bad one percenters. I've seen good cops. I've seen bad cops, you know? So it's like, I just need, I think we need good people to start coming together, whether you're a cop, military, Marine, secret service, one percenter, whoever you are, just start doing good in your life. Just be a good person, man. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that is it. He's easy day so tell us a little bit about your book 
uh, the book is basically the story of my life. You know, uh, I leave out a lot of the, the stuff that <laughs> was a little bit more intense. Uh, it's actually like the PG story of my life. Uh, but yeah, I just talk about my life. It's me and my dad in the car having conversations. Basically, uh, I would take him to the methadone clinic three days a week. And uh, what we would talk about, you know, sometimes I would hit the interview button when I would do it and I would send it to my co-author. So he would hear my conversations back and forth with my dad and uh, all my father's regrets, like my life, what I went through, what I dealt with, um, my story, why I am who I am, how to have love for someone who's hurt you so much, like how much I love my father, even though he's hurt me in so many ways. I know his heart was in the right place and I know he suffered more than I've ever suffered. Uh, and basically my book, he ends up, uh, he died before my book was over, you know? So like the last two months of the book, he ended up passing away. So it's kind of like, uh, I guess like the perfect ending for the book, right? Thanks dad. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was really, uh, you know, it was hard to write it because I had to dig really deep. It was like a two and a half year process. And, uh, it took me to some really, really fucking dark places, man. Like really, really, really bad places, you know? Uh, Sometimes with certain things, I have a lot of, I imagine my life is I'm in an open hallway right now. And all I see is light in front of me. All I see is light and all the doors in front of me. When I open them, there's a different light. One FC light, my Academy light seminars, light kids, helping kids light. But then behind me, all the doors that are closed, they're dark. And if I open those doors up, a lot of dark shit could flood and I need to keep those doors closed. Like I'm not that guy who wants to go through therapy and open up all the, all the darkness in his past because there's just too much terrible shit. Uh, it's horrible. Comes back to me in my dreams sometimes, you know, and, and I try to keep it away as much as possible. And I know how to live with my past as long as I keep it locked up, you know? Uh, so my book forced me to open some of those doors up and it was really, really fucking hard, man, to, to get through it. Uh, a lot of, sleepless nights is terrible i went through a time uh you know i started like self-harming and stuff you know i've, I've uh burn marks all over my my my, my body uh because uh, i wasn't able to train so if i wasn't able to train because i was injured I, I i still need to feel like pain right like i need to feel i'm not dude that'll train until like you're never gonna break me right like i'm never gonna break so when I wasn't able to train, I, I had nowhere to feel pain. I needed like uh, something. So I started burning myself, you know, and then I look at myself one day, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, and it's funny because as successful as I was, no one knew that I was doing this shit, but I was doing it, you know, uh, and never like suicide or anything. Like there's a different, like my self harm wasn't because I wanted to die. I never, I cannot, I have kids. I can't die. You know what I mean? I'm not going anywhere. I pray to live forever for my kids. Right. But I needed to just feel some pain in my life. I, I, because I was so used to so much pain in my life to where when things got too comfortable, it didn't feel right. It felt uncomfortable. It was, it was, life was too good. It felt uncomfortable because I'm just used to such chaos. So then I would start creating my own pain, you know? Uh, but I also got over that and I realized that wasn't conducive or smart, you know? So I, uh, I'm in a good place right now. And I think even when I was doing the burns and stuff, I was in a good place, but it just wasn't the, uh, the smartest thing to do. But I think it just goes to show everybody, like no matter how much you think you got it together, you don't, you know, like there's always something you could do better. There's always a, a you may stumble. 
it's okay. Get your ass back up and keep marching forward, you know? And I'm forever stumbling and forever getting back up. What, what did you ever have like that conversation with your dad? Like, I know you said you did drives with him. You just recorded some stuff. You had long conversations, probably tough conversations. Did you ever have like the conversation on how he made you feel? Or did you say like, I'm just not going to beat him up with that. Like, and, and if you did or didn't, was it worth it? I, I had a couple of them with him, you know, uh, usually in like blowouts, right? Usually in arguments to where I, my biggest thing was I would try to, I didn't want to beat him up with that. I wanted him to know that it was okay. I forgive you. Like just forgive mm -hmm. yourself. You know, like he was a great, uh, he was an amazing grandfather to my kids. And I just wanted him to focus on how loved he was and the good aspects that there was to it, but he did so much harm to where he was never able to live with himself. You know, and that was the, that was the ironic part. Like, he kept doing the things that made him hurtful to get mm -hmm. away from the pain only to feel more pain. So it was just like a domino effect that he could never get out of. It was a, it was quicksand, you know? So yeah, he knew how I felt, but he also knew that it, he's a big reason why I am the way I am as far as my drive and my determination, you know, how I am as a man, you know, yes, I know it's 2023, but I believe being a strong man is imperative mm -hmm. if you are a man, you know, and he helped me to do that through his failures as well. But yeah, we had a couple of those conversations and usually they weren't really coming from a good place. It was usually like an argument where I would be upset with him and mm -hmm. I would let it, let it out. And then I would always regret it. I would never feel good about saying, cause he knows how he made me feel, you know? And it's, for me, it's like, you know, he's 70 years old. And what am I doing? making this guy feel bad like he already mm -hmm. feels bad enough you know yeah did he end up getting clean no he uh he, he was on methadone so he wasn't like he used to be he wasn't like drinking alcohol and stuff mm -hmm. but methadone is stronger than heroin you know and then i found mm -hmm. out he was taking like 20 benadryl a day because benadryl prolongs the half-life of methadone so the high mm -hmm. will stay longer problem is with benadryl when you take that much benadryl a day it gives you like you saw how you start having Alzheimer's, you start getting forgetful. And like, my dad was always nodding out. He was always sleep. Like he'd be mid conversation. Boom. He'll fall asleep on you. You know what I mean? Mm. It just wasn't normal. So no, he never lived clean ever. Uh, he, he lived clean for two years. Uh, I think between zero between like five months old, no, two months old and two years old. That's when he was clean. Other than that, never. Mm. You're like the you're uh you're like the boy, the boy named Sue, <laughs> Johnny Cash song. Good Lord, that's amazing. I gotta listen to it. The boy named yeah, Sue. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, boy named Sue. It's fantastic. I gotta listen. Yeah. For sure. Well, anything uh, anything else you want people to know? Um, again, I mean, I don't know if you know people kind of come in and out of these things in the live stream wise, and um, but yeah, anything else you want uh, to share? share with those that'll hear this at all no i appreciate everyone's support uh, i'm doing my best uh love me or hate me you know try try not to judge me by one post or one thing that i say you know try to look at the whole picture of who i am and understand that there, i'm gonna put some things out there that maybe you don't like but i promise you'll probably like more than you don't like you know what i mean like uh, just bear with me and uh i appreciate everyone 
Well, yeah, I, I have a I have a judge because... I have a judge Tom Wall in my house. I print out all of your Instagram posts and <laughs> the ones that I judge for, I just pin them up and then I think about it every day. Throw darts at it. <laughs> yeah, it's it. I think, and I kind of we've we've touched on this in the podcast before about as we get older, um, and being honest with ourselves and being honest with other people, and so often, especially men. Uh, we have a problem uh, relaying weaknesses that we have uh, or other issues that make us appear smaller than we want to be. So I think that your story is actually really fascinating because you're just laying it all out. Like you're, you're, you're unapologetic. You're, you're laying the story out for, for everyone to know you are, you are exposing yourself uh, and just saying like, it would like take me or leave me. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you because this is what I learned from this. And I think just that in its in and of itself is kind of like an anti-bullying campaign. You know, <laughs> for me, it is. I just I listen to these kind of stories, the story that you tell. And I just feel like, man, this is this is the epitome of what how men should be. Uh, again, being more revealing on on kind of like what makes us strong, but but also what makes us weak. Uh, at times yeah i and, never understood guys that felt the need to like you know they can't cry or there's so many guys that talked about being molested that were like oh i felt so ashamed why are you ashamed that somebody took advantage of you when you were a little boy you are not a man yet you know you were a boy you know so my my sadness and my weakness like i'm confident enough as a as a man like i know damn well one thing lock me in the room with any man in the world and I'm going to come out of that goddamn room, right? I'm going to be okay. So why should I feel ashamed if I have a weakness in one aspect of my life? Because if I have a weakness and I'm willing to admit it, I can only make it stronger, right? And I want to become as strong as I possibly can. And my weaknesses, I know a lot of other people feel. So I think when people could see me at the level I'm at and understand that I've went through this, this, and this, maybe they don't feel as bad about their self because we share the same struggle, you know? Right. That's awesome. Yeah, I think more people need to admit where they struggle. I, I don't know. I think that's. I think probably that's what leads to a lot of bullying is overcompensating for things where mm -hmm. where areas that you're weak in. You know, and I think that that's man. like if uh, if more people were willing to admit the places that they're weak, <laughs> then maybe maybe we could progress a little bit faster. Yeah. I, totally I don't know. Agree. I'm one more question before we go that popped into my head. Are you finding because I, I as I watch this unfold, you'll you'll see a situation and say, "Hey, help me find help me find this this kid, this family," and then the fam somebody will reach out. You ultimately get connected to the family. And are you finding that most of the kids that are experiencing this are coming from single family homes, or? not i'd have to really take a look uh i think right now it's like 50 50 uh i'd say it's like 50 50 right now i i don't you know i don't want to actually say it yeah yeah because i don't i posted a lot of these people personally so i don't want to put their business out there yeah, yeah um but right now i think it's like 50 50 you know i i do think however a strong father figure always will help in this situation. 100%. I 100% believe that. Yeah. Yeah. 
God bless, God bless strong men that stay involved in their kids' lives, which you're doing. Obviously, I told you that yeah. was a, a that motivates me. So, dude, thank you so much for hanging out, guys. Go get, yeah. go, uh, go get Tom's book. You can get it on Amazon. It's called How You Bear It. Tom DeBlass. Follow him on all the social medias. He's everywhere. Buddies Do over it. bullies. Um, if you want to donate to that, you know you can't go wrong. It's a great cause. Help help what they're doing. Uh, if we got any super chats tonight, they're yours for buddies over bullies. I have, I haven't been paying too much attention to that, but uh, but yeah, I want to continue to support you, bro, as as much as possible and what you're doing. And when I come to New Jersey, I'll come say hi. And uh, likewise, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, and then uh, I I I would roll. I would I would roll, but my skills. There's some things I'm still working on till I get them refined. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put it out I can't roll right now anyway. It's I like can't secret. roll because of my shoulders. So you're good, bro. Don't worry. Well, can I I'd roll, roll but I'm on the verge of a heart attack. So yeah, you can roll. Can I'll you do just, just, lay, just lay flat and I'll just, I'll just grapple your legs. That's some it. leg pummeling. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll figure uh, it out. All right, man. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you listen, to subscribe on the YouTube channel. Hit the plus button on the stuff. You know the drill. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.